Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Uh, Thanks for joining us today as we continue this series entitled, Get a Handle on It. How many have some things in your life you're getting a handle on? If not, you're just letting it go the way it's always gone. And how many know you just let it go the way it's always gone? You'll just produce what you've always had. And it will just continue in the same fashion. But God, make us new. Here's what the Bible says. David, the psalmist, is writing this word in Psalm 63, verse 1. Here's what he says. He says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. For you, I want to put this in context because you can read these words sometimes. My whole body longs for you. And we can read that and say, yep, that's where David is. But I want you to see the reality of your whole body longing for God or longing for truth, longing for peace. Have you ever had something that was so fixed in your mind and something that consumed your mind so much that it affected your stomach and your emotions? Have you ever thought about something so much that you've lost an appetite over it? Have you ever lost an appetite and had a a moment where you've been overtaken and it's even caused some effects on your body? Convulsion is an extreme, I realize, but when you are longing with your whole body, there is such a desperation, such a desire, and such a longing. If you've ever had anxiety or have been in a place where your mind is consumed and your appetite or your stomach is affected and you're in a place where you're just so consumed and overwhelmed by something, Have you ever been in a place like that? I'm sure there's some of us in a room like this that you've been overwhelmed and you've had moments that you've said, I'm longing with my whole body. This is David. He's saying, I'm longing with all of my body. I'm longing for your peace, for your provision, for your presence. Here's what he says. He says, my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I'm thirsty, and I'm in a place where there's no water. Verse 2, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. How many know we can lie awake, worried and concerned about things, but there's a difference lying awake and being overwhelmed by the peace and the presence of God and thinking about how good he is, how faithful he is. He says, I will sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. My prayer today is that you would become more and more secure in your relationship and your your place of Christ where he has called you, that your needs and all that you are would be found in Jesus Christ. How many believe that in Christ there are no insecurities, but he gives us all the security we need, that as we grow deeper and deeper into his provision and what he's called for us, he allows us to be held securely. Somebody just tell your neighbor right now today, tell them, say, I'm secure in Christ. 
I'm secure in Christ. I am secure in Christ. Father, I pray that you would cause this word to, to, be, uh, to, to not just be anointed, but God, I, I pray, Father, that it would work and do what you desire on the inside of us. God, not just anoint your word because we know your word's already anointed. God, anoint our ability and God, our ears and our heart to receive today, Lord, what it is that you want us to grow in. Make us more like Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On your way to being seated, just high-five somebody and tell them, I'm getting a handle on it. I'm getting a handle on it. This has been our desire over the last couple of weeks, and we'll continue as we're in this series entitled Get a Handle on It. And our hope and prayer is this, according to Romans 15, 5, it's kind of the, the theme verse of what we're looking at. And uh, each week our desire is this, is that we would grow in complete harmony with one another as is fitting for those who follow Jesus Christ. That we would grow in complete harmony, that we would, our relationships would develop, would strengthen, would grow. That we would learn how to have good relationships with one another because it's important that as we interact in the world that we're in, that it's not just enough to make sure we're meeting the right people on the other side of the door. It's making sure we have a good handle, that we're the right people walking through the door. Before we can expect the right things from other people, we ourselves have to be in the right place. It's said this way, if you want a good friend, be a good friend. It's affected by who we are. I want to specifically look at that today because over the last couple of weeks and, and continuing, we're identifying just some, uh, just some uh, areas of our lives where we've been conditioned and uh, brokenness in life that has conditioned us to expect and show love in a way that we've learned, but we have to admit it's not always been the best way. It's produced some things in us, and we talked the first week about avoiders, people who, as a result, have, uh, when it comes to their feelings and emotions, they've, they, they clam up. They just they try to avoid those things. They don't want to address things. They don't want to work and grow in things. They become avoiders. And then we talked last week about people who are people pleasers, and, and they are so in tune with other people's feelings that they absorb them, and they put that upon themselves, and because of fear and anxiety, they just put way too much on themselves and allow fear to overtake them. Today I want to talk about uh, individuals that really are accustomed to feelings, and so much so, uh, these are people that we would call perfectionists. It's the best word I can use to try and give us a description today. There are other words that you could use to describe, but I want to look from this idea that some of us are so prone to having high standards and sometimes such standards and expectations that it's hard to find contentment and hard to be satisfied in life. Because we've got such expectations. And you, you might say, well, what's wrong with having high standards and high expectations? And here's the truth. There's nothing wrong with having high standards and high expectations. There's nothing wrong with striving or wanting perfection. But there's everything wrong with never being satisfied with not having it. There's nothing wrong with desiring perfection and desiring greater things, desiring things to be better and more. There's nothing wrong with desiring them, but there's everything wrong with not being satisfied with what has been provided, with where we are, and learning how to live in the middle 
of where we are in life. Because not everything's bad, not everything's good. But learning how to live in those places and needing to get a handle on it. This past Christmas, uh, Jordan received a gift that uh, um, I have not tried out yet. I've only watched it is the uh, virtual reality goggles. Do you know what I'm talking about? You put your smartphone in there and you download an app, put the smartphone in the goggles, put the goggles on, and it shows you something and it gives you a virtual reality. I've not tried it because I figured I don't need to look foolish. I'd rather watch people who look foolish doing it. I don't need another reason to... to I, I watch them interact with this and, and you're hearing sounds. The sounds are real, but... The environment is not. You're looking at things that is a virtual reality. And what that means is everything seems real, but it's really not real at all. It's not real at all. It's just a virtual reality. And I, I watch them as they put on the goggles and they start walking towards things. And they walk into walls because they thought there'd be a door there. But there's not a door where they thought there'd be a door. I watch as they reach out to touch things that aren't there. Because in their virtual reality, there's something there that's really not there. And sometimes that describes the life of a perfectionist. Always reaching and looking for something that's not there. Walking into walls in relationships because you you thought there should have been a doorway, your ex expectations, but your expectations are the place that you're living in a virtual reality, but not in the reality. There's nothing wrong with having expectations, but oftentimes there are people who have not learned to really evaluate and ask themselves, are my expectations reasonable? Now there's some people who have no expectations. we got to be careful that we don't go to one extreme or the other. To, to the avoider, they don't have any needs. But the far extreme would be they're all needy. How many know the answer is not to become needy? The answer is to have a healthy balance on needs. And even with the people pleaser, there's nothing wrong with serving people. It's having the healthy balance. It's the same with the perfectionist. There's nothing wrong with having high standards and having expectations. There's nothing wrong with having expectations. But we have to evaluate and ask ourselves, are we being realistic in the expectations that we have? Because too often what can happen is that when things don't go as we expect, instead of evaluating what our expectations are and really challenging and asking ourselves if we're realistic and I don't know if this is realistic because I'm a preacher and I wonder how realistic is it to ask everybody in the room to pay attention to what God is what, what we're saying how realistic is that I think what kind of preacher is that it thinks everybody ought to think and pay attention in church when they come to church I have unrealistic expectations there, but listen is there wrong with is there anything wrong with having an expectation of Hey, we're going to fully engage. There's nothing wrong, but here's the reality. I can't make you engage with the word of God. I can't make you engage with the presence of God. I can't make you do anything. And if I'm living my life off of how you respond, it's unrealistic for me to find my satisfaction in things that I cannot control. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting a response. There's nothing wrong with desiring a response. But there's everything wrong with living our lives and wrapping our feelings all around those things that we're wanting and expecting. Because when it doesn't go the way you want it, you get tied up in a knot, everything's bad, it doesn't feel right. And too often, expectations are not always the problem. But sometimes we have to evaluate and ask ourselves, are we unrealistic in our expectations? Are we being unrealistic in the things that we're desiring and things that we're wanting? Here's why you have to challenge that. Because if you don't challenge your expectations and what you're looking at, if you don't evaluate them to find out if they're healthy, what you'll do is you'll take your expectations from this circumstance or this relationship and you'll just carry it to another place. 
Too often, perfectionists don't evaluate their expectations. They just assume everything is right with their expectations and everything's wrong with everybody else around them. And so we leave churches, we leave relationships, we leave people, we leave places because it's not according to our expectations. And the problem that we first have to address is, listen, there are times that we do have to separate. There are times that maybe there are relationships that are not, not healthy. We have to put boundaries. That's back to people pleasers. they got to learn how to put boundaries. got to learn how to have those things in place. But it's not always the circumstance before we first have to evaluate and say, what is it in me that needs to be addressed? Because if we don't address our unrealistic expectations... We'll just move them to another relationship or another place that feels good for a moment. But how many know the way something starts is not typically the way it will remain? Have you found that out? I mean, you got married and everything was beautiful and blissful right from the very beginning. And you never expected you'd have every, any conflict in your marriage. And maybe you even thought you'd have conflict in your marriage, but you never realized or, or knew what you would walk into because we know that after time, there's nothing wrong with desiring things to be wonderful and good and, and everything being great, but there's just the reality that we live in life and life is not perfect. Have you found that out? The only thing perfect on this side of heaven is Jesus Christ. The only thing perfect the only thing that is, that is untainted and perfect in all of its ways. And sometimes if we're not careful to evaluate. And so what I want to challenge us today is to evaluate what are the expectations. The things that maybe for perfectionists that we've created our own world. And I know this doesn't sound good to say. But I think it, we just have to say things as they are. That if we don't evaluate those expectations. If we're not healthy in addressing them. Then what we'll do is we'll create a world that centers around us. And at the center of us, we become the God of our own world. We become the one who criticizes, judges, and puts down and says what's right, says what's wrong. Because it's all according to our standard and our expectation. Is that true? That it's all the way I think it ought to be. It all becomes the way that I want it to be. And if it doesn't line up the way I think it ought to be, then I'm frustrated. And because I'm frustrated... I'm not willing to evaluate if there's something wrong with my expectations because I'm a perfectionist. I am perfect in all of my ways. Okay, that's, a, that's I'm being facetious there. Don't take that. So. But there's nothing wrong with my expectations, so we think. But then we have to ask ourselves and really evaluate. Maybe we have to ask and say, God, are my expectations more about me than about you? Let me take you into the world of a perfectionist, Okay. Unlike an avoider, avoiders, they flee from their, their, their feelings. They, they get as far away from them as they can. People who are people pleasers, they absorb other people's feelings. But perfectionists, they've got their own feelings and they wear them on their sleeve. The world of the perfectionists is, is their feelings. They're, they're very sensitive people, which makes them very passionate. Makes them great people to be loyal and faithful. Because they're passionate. They're, they're all in. You get a perfectionist, you're getting everything. They're putting all their best effort. They're putting everything in place. They're giving it the best that they've got because they've been conditioned in this way of high expectations. Here's a life of the perfectionist. And here's some of the feelings of some people that would be a perfectionist. See if you can relate to this. And there are other words that use, but I just want to use perfectionist identifying high standards just because I want to talk about learning how to live in the middle. Here's, here's some. People who are perfectionists, they feel a need to have a close and exclusive connection 
that they feed off of, off of deep connection. How many know deep connection's a God thing? But if that deep connection is tried to be pulled from a source other than God, how many know it'll only be empty? They desire deep connection. They feel rejected by space and separation. There's, a, there's a, a, a feeling of rejection. They feel hurt and even frustrated. They feel hurt when things don't go as expected. And the reason they feel hurt is because they feel like if they're hurt by someone who should love them, then they feel like that person doesn't care about the relationship as much as they do. They feel as if they, someone doesn't care as much as they do, that other people aren't as invested as they are, that it doesn't matter to other people as much as it does to them. They feel unwanted at times and feel as if they're not a priority. They don't feel the, the, uh, the, the special treatment. They oftentimes feel like most of life is either all good or all bad. They'll sing the song, It Is Well With My Soul, but they sing it not because it is well, but they're hoping one day it's going to be well. Because they're not really good at living in the middle. They desire things to be perfect. But the problem is, much of life is not ideal. Much of life is not perfect. And learning how to live, not in the all bad and the all good, but learning how to live in the satisfaction, the grace of God, the provision of God, to know that in this moment, as this is, this is not what we want it to be, but we know that God is working this out for his glory. And sometimes the expressions that they have are of a perfectionist. I, I applaud them that they're very expressive. The only problem is they express according to their unmet expectations, which sometimes their expectations are just unrealistic expectations. I don't know if you can relate to anyone like that. I don't know if you can relate to that. I don't know if you know anyone like that. There's this feeling of wanting to have closeness. Let me tell you a little bit about the, the home because what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks is identifying what's the home life. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It happens as we're conditioned, and we've said this before, that we are affected by the sins of our parents and our grandparents. We're not punished for their sins. That's scripture. We're not punished for their sins, but we are affected by their sins. My dad's broken way of learning love affected my broken way of learning love. Even his, in his greatest attempt. So what is it for a perfectionist, for someone who feels a sense of abandonment, that feels as if they're always looking for love, always looking for someone to fulfill and to give attention. Here's what it comes from. It is a strong desire for consistent attention or consistent and predictable love. But unfortunately, growing up in a home where it's sporadic and on their parents' terms. It's growing up in a home that wants love and affection because everybody does, but the only problem is the love and affection is not shown on any predictable measure. It's shown whenever the parent feels like it or the parent has time and the parent gives love and attention based on their schedule. It's that feeling of comparison. Here's the picture. And this is for me, how it is for me, is growing up in a home with foster kids I was the kid that was the biological son that stayed, but Jody and I counted over 30 
kids that during my lifetime would have come in and out of my life as a kid growing up. Foster kids that would come in, build relationship with them, and they would leave. I shared the story the first week about, for me, how I learned an impaired way of loving. And that was that all of these kids coming into the house made me feel like I had to share my mom. And I always felt that there was that threat that I was not going to get the attention and the love that I needed. And there were times that it was so inconsistent because when you have new kids coming in and out of the house, how many know those new kids require attention? It's not the kids growing up with me. It's the new kids coming in, getting attention, and there's this sporadic and inconsistent love that is not the fault of my parents. It's the reality of my situation. My parents were doing foster care because there were other kids who came from broken lives and broken homes. And so mom and dad is doing their part to provide healing and help for them. But how many know I was even affected by their brokenness? That if we don't get ourselves in good order, we will just exchange one brokenness for another brokenness. Here's what I'm saying. If we don't get things in the proper place, because I know, I know right now you're sitting here and you're like, man, that's the worst story you've got growing up. Well, I'm not here to say that. I'm only pointing out that we're all affected by life's circumstances and situations. I've been conditioned in a certain way because of how I've experienced life around me. And because of that, it causes us to view love and to view our desire for love in a way that we have to ask ourselves, does this line up with God's provision and God's help in our life? And this wanting, here, here's for a, for a kid growing up, looking for that kind of, of, uh, of love and attention. And when it's sporadic, here's what it creates. It creates this situation where they want the love and attention, and they want that, but they've learned and have been conditioned. They have to read the mood and the mode of what's going on because you've heard it said, if mama's not happy, no one's happy. It's probably in a home of a perfectionist or a home that sets the, I'm the one, everything revolves around we play whenever it fits mom's schedule. We do what we want whenever it works for me. Because, and oftentimes, a child can feel threatened because the phone becomes more important to a parent than their attention. That instead of noticing them in the room, that's why I believe in, not I believe, but you'll hear this, and Jody and I practice this. We have dates once a week. Now, I know there are some people like, you do that once a week? <laughs> if it was up to me, I'd do it every day. But there's an opportunity. Schedule doesn't allow. There it is, wanting that, that desire. But every week, having a time set aside that we make for us to have conversation. I believe it's important. And one of the things that not just I believe, but this is essential in life, that you learn how to prioritize those relationships. Here's what the perfectionist needs to learn. The perfectionist will eat that up. The only problem is they don't ever enjoy it fully because the moment they get the attention, all they're thinking about is how long is it going to last and when am I going to lose it and how long do I have to wait till I get it back again? Because it's unpredictable. I don't know when this is going to happen again. It's like a child wanting attention from their parent, and the parent comes home in a good mood today and says, hey, let's go do this, and it's an out-of-the-blue experience that the child is loving and wants, but the child didn't expect it. 
wow, we're going to go do that. We're going to go and have that. That child longs for it, loves it. Here's the problem. That child for that child, it becomes a special treat, but it's so unpredictable that they don't know when's this going to happen again. When's it going to fall in the right time? When's it going to work in their schedule? And so because it's unpredictable, this child is now created and now conditioned to this, this place of always wanting it and wanting it so much that the moment it comes, they can't really enjoy it because now they're afraid it's going to not last long and they don't know when they'll get it back. And so it's always in this fear of wanting and waiting. That's this perfectionism. And here's what it is. It's never being able or hardly being able to be satisfied and enjoy what you're in because you're always wanting and the moment it comes, you don't know how long you're going to have to wait again. And so this wanting and waiting causes this struggle and this tension. And we oftentimes, instead of being able to enjoy the moment that we're in and to make the most of the moment and to enjoy the things that are around us, we're living in this tension of I want this, I'm waiting for it to meet my expectations and it's not coming. There's this waiting ground and there's this struggle I don't know if that makes sense to anybody this morning but we live sometimes in this tension and instead of being able to enjoy this place that we're in we've got this wrestling going on in our mind that it's not quite what I wanted how long is it going to take anybody follow me this morning and we're stuck in this and here's where, where it is this perfectionist I want it to be like this but oftentimes it's not like this. Psalm 63, here's the scripture. Which, by the way, if you fall into the category of a perfectionist, you're in good company because David, the king of Israel, would have been in this category. I mean, imagine David being the one who was left out in the fields while his brothers were called in when Samuel came to look for a king, go all the way back, looking for a king to replace Saul. And God says, go to this place, find one of Jesse's sons. And so he comes in, Jesse says to Samuel, hey, what are you doing here? Is everything all right? Samuel says, yeah, everything's all right. Call your sons in. Call your sons in. One of them's going to be anointed. So they call the sons in. Guess who gets left in the field? David. Now, you can't tell me that didn't affect a young kid's life growing up. That when he was the one left out in the field, that dad didn't think him enough, think of him enough to have, to have a place to allow him to come in. Why do you think David, in the place of longing, David, high expectations. Here's David wanting things to, to go well. David also, not putting himself in a good position, allowed himself to want and desire that he went to the top of a roof and got himself in trouble because he didn't learn how to live in the moment, and how to live in the provision and to experience what he had, that David put himself out of bounds, that he put himself in a situation that ended up being an affair. He murdered someone to cover it up. I don't think you need to go that far. But there are things that we have to keep in check and learn and evaluate and say, are these expectations realistic? David is one of them. David writes this psalm. Look where he's found. The first two verses, what does David say? David says this, I search for you with all of my heart. I long for you. Where is he? I long for you in a place where there is no water. It's called a desert. That's where we get desertion and neglect. And there are those who are perfectionists, who are looking for love, feeling, trying to, trying to find love, that you're in a place where you feel neglected, you feel deserted, you feel abandoned, you feel left alone. David knows the pain. David is in this place. He says, I'm in the area where I want water, but it's a place where there is no water. But notice in verse 2, he says, but my eyes have seen you in your sanctuary. 
David is in this place of two extremes. He's living between the desertion, the desert, and he's living between the sanctuary and the provision of God. He falls in this category. David is a perfectionist, makes him a great leader, makes him a passionate worship leader, makes him a wonderful person with his emotions to express and everything else. But if he doesn't learn how to live in the middle, you see, because the perfectionist lives on the bad side when everything doesn't go the way they want it. And then they're disappointed. Or they live on the good side when everything's just the way they want it. But how many know it doesn't usually last that long? So they sway from one extreme to the other. Am I making sense this morning? But learning how to live in the middle. I want to challenge you today and I want to say to us, God help us learn to live in the middle. Learn to live in the middle. There's a problem for perfectionists though. Because the moment you say live in the middle to the perfectionist, and I don't know if you've thought this already. See if there's someone in the room that you've already had this. You're saying, Jason, you want me to learn how to live in the middle. Instead of living all bad and living all good, you want me to live in the middle. And if you're a perfectionist, you're thinking, well, I don't want to settle. If you're a perfectionist, you're thinking, but I don't want to be stuck. If you're a perfectionist, you're saying, I don't want this to, to be like this forever. But the middle is not your settlement. The middle is the point of your transition. It is the place that you're transitioning. It's transitioning you. There's nothing wrong with having high expectations, desires, and dreams. I can dream with the best of them. Just ask my wife. I can dream when it comes to ministry, when it comes to relationship, when it comes to home, when it comes to community. I even dream over Uniontown, and I'm not even a mayor or anything to do anything about it, but man, I'll dream about how this place could be an even better place and how fake. I, I'm just a dreamer. I walk into places, and that's just my idea. That's how I am. But learning how to live, not just to dream for things, but learning how to live content and satisfied in what God has provided. I want you to hear this interesting he says, I see you in your sanctuary. That word sanctuary, if you go back to the Greek, the word sanctuary is Kadesh. Somebody say Kadesh. Kadesh. It's an easy word to say in Greek. I'm okay with it. I read that this week as I was studying, and when I read sanctuary, and I thought, God, I need to learn how to, how to stay in the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary is not a place that you go to. It's a place that you allow to come to you. You dwell in the sanctuary. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that God wants to desire in you? Here's the word Kadesh. And as I read Kadesh, I thought, you know what? I've read that before. And if you've been here for the last couple weeks, you would have heard us talk about Kadesh as well. Because Kadesh is the place in Numbers where the Bible says that the Israelites came before they went into the promised land. It's the area that God gave them the green light and the go-ahead to walk into the promised land. So they are at Kadesh, and Kadesh is between the place of the wilderness, the desert, and it's in the place of the promise. They were living in Kadesh. It was the valley or the area of Kadesh. In fact, in Numbers 13, it says the whole community of Israel camped at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. Kadesh means sanctuary. 
It says they reported the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. If you were here before, we talked about walking into the promise. And here it is at Kadesh. I want you to see this picture. Kadesh is in the middle. Kadesh is the place where God was transitioning them. If you're a perfectionist and everything is not the way you want it to be, don't get frustrated because it's not the way you want it to be, but get your eyes focused on the right thing because whatever you're in the middle of depends on what you're focused on and what you're holding on to. Write those two things down. Whatever you're focused on and what you're holding on to is what you're in the middle of. If you're focused on, as a perfectionist, if you're focused on what you don't have and you're holding on to the disappointments of what never came to you, how many know you're living in frustration? You're in the middle of discontent. You're in the middle of frustration because your eyes are fixed on what you don't have. I showed up at church this morning and I'm a slight perfectionist. And so I do this on a regular basis. My eyes go to find the things that look out of order. I drive onto the property. As I pull onto the property, this plastic bag that is blue is sitting on the, along the side of the, 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 uh, the tree line there, and it catches my attention. I pull over the car. I go and I pick up the blue pa- plastic bag. I won't tell you what store it was from because they should not be littering on our property. I'm just kidding. I'm just Wow, we got a little serious right there. Just, I was joking. Some of you are like, what's a blue bag? Who has a blue bag? What is that? I pick up the blue trash bag, or the bag, and I think I picked up trash. But the moment I realized when I got out and I picked up that piece of trash, do you know what I found the moment I went to pick up that piece of trash? I found more trash. I got out of my car to pick up one blue bag that was laying along the side of the, the tree line, and when I ended up, By the time I was done, I had trash to put inside that blue bag. So now I'm like, thank you, whoever store that was, leaving your bag on on our property. I'm able to use that to pick up trash. You find what you're looking for. If you focus on what you don't have, you'll just pour out a whole list of things you don't have. You'll show yourself what you don't have. If you're focused on what you don't have, here's what David says. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we prepare to close because this is a simple message of saying, God, help us to learn to live in the middle. Help us to learn to live in the middle. Not to settle, but to transition. To know that, God, you're using this point to prepare us and move us to what you have for us. David says this in in verse 3. He says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. What is unfailing love? It's something that is consistent. It's something that never changes. How many know a perfectionist? They want consistency. They want things that are consistent. I want you to know that if you focus on the unfailing love of God, you'll see what will never change because the love of God will always be there. Life, it's better than life itself. Why? Because sometimes the sun shines and sometimes it storms. Sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's not. Your loving kindness is better than life because your loving kindness remains constant and the same when everything in life changes how many have found out that the perfectionist is living their life trying to find the ideals among a world that never stays the same trying to find the ideals and the satisfaction in a place that will never stay the same a mom who feels unloved because she grew up feeling unloved now becomes a mother and has the love of her children Because her children makes her feel so loved. The love and the attention she wanted as a child is now found in her kids. There's nothing wrong with that. 
The only problem is they only stay kids for so long. And then that mom reaches a place where now the kids are gone. How do you handle that? Why? Because life changes around you. You've got to focus on what does not change. You cannot find satisfaction in a place where everything is changing around you. You will only find satisfaction when you let your mind be steadfast in this. That His Word, that His Word remains, that His love is true. You can only hold on to that. Because even the people who love you the most, sometime in life, inadvertently, are going to hurt you. Not because they're evil people, but perfectionists, when they feel hurt, it becomes this, how could you? I thought you're better than that. And it becomes this abandonment and feeling lost and feeling empty. But instead, the perfectionist needs to learn and say, not look for the perfect circumstances, but look for the perfect response to the unperfect circumstances in life. Because life is not perfect. Life is going to change, but I've got to hold on to what does not change. Because whatever you're focused on and whatever you're holding on to determines what you're in the middle of. Some of you are in the middle of chaos because you're focused on what you don't have and you're holding on to the disappointments that you do have. You're holding on to the unmet expectations, the frustrations. Only when you focus on what does not change. He says this, he said, your unfailing love is better than life itself. I will sing praises to you. I want to say to somebody today, quit doing the dance of disappointment and start singing the song of satisfaction. Quit doing the dance of disappointment because you're in Kadesh and you can look at what you don't have and just keep on circling. Or you can say, God, I found you in the sanctuary. In your presence, your goodness, your grace, your love is better than life itself. I know this is hard because what this means is instead of us being able to blame people for us not feeling loved, We have to now look inward and say, no, it's my fault for not receiving the love that is really the only perfect love. Because if you're a perfectionist, it's not as bad as you think it is. When you think you're not loved, you keep in that long enough, you'll push the people away. You stay in that long enough, you'll cause more of a disappointment. Because if you think something, even a lie, long enough, over time, that lie will soon become the truth. If you believe a lie and you think that lie long enough, over time, that lie will soon become the truth in your life. But you've got to fix your eyes, your mind, on the unchanging love of God. I know some of you are going through hurt. Sometimes it's hard to love again because of what you've gone through. But I want to say to you today, It's the grace of God that allows us to be made new. And you need some consistency in your life. And the consistency is to live in a place of saying, God, I know everything might not be the way I want it to be, but I know I can trust you to work it out to be what I need it to be. Can we just be real? It sounds good to say that. How many know it's a whole different thing now when you're looking at circumstances that you just want to change? You want it to be different. I want them to meet my expectations. I want them to meet me here. I want this to happen. I have to learn and say, no, I just got to learn to be content in Christ. Got to learn to be content that he's enough. He ends verse 8 and he says, I cling to your strong right arm. For it holds me, listen to the word, 
securely. If you've been a part of Faith Assembly for any time, you've heard me in my vulnerability and my openness and my foolish transparency sometimes. Things like I deal with insecurities. I deal with insecurities. I've been on a journey now for, you probably know this, but when I came to be the pastor here six years ago, I didn't come all put together and figured out and perfect. I came still learning how to deal with what life has brought and how to manage that and how to trust and how to learn to love. I'm so thankful that God allows those things to teach us and to grow us and change us. I'd rather be your pastor here today to say, follow me as I follow Christ, as opposed to standing here today and say, well, figure it out like I do, because I got it all together. If you found someone like that, be careful. If you find someone who's got it all together and just going to beat you down and tell you how you got to get your act together and just do what the Word says, just suck it up and just be a big boy about it, just... He said, come to me all who are broken, who are weary, who are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest. So what I'm saying to you is, I've said to God, God, that's just the way I am. I deal with that until the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not the way you are. That's the way you choose to be. With love. Can I say with love to you today? Hey, avoider, it's not the way you are. It's the way you choose to be. Hey, people pleaser, it's not the way you are. It's the way you choose to be. Hey, perfectionist, it's not the way you are. It's the way you choose to be. But he has said that we can be made new. So I'm going to say to you today, have you learned to live in the middle of his grace and of his presence? How many know if I'm living in the middle of His grace? It means then I'm familiar with my weakness. Because if I don't know my weakness, then I don't need His strength. Be careful of the gospel that makes you think you get it all together and you don't need God anymore. Because the gospel I found is that the closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize I need Him even more than I thought I needed Him before. I need Him more. I need him more. I need him more. I'm okay saying to you, I'm learning how to just need Jesus more and to live on his provision and to trust him. I'm living in the middle of what he provides.